Barton Maths Podcast with me, Craig Barton. This is another episode in my Teaching From Home podcast series, a series of episodes dedicated to supporting teachers who are working from home amidst the COVID-19 outbreak of 2020. The Teaching From Home podcast series is kindly supported by Tez Resources. Tez Resources have created a home learning collection full of hand-picked free resources for teachers to use with children who are learning at home or to share with parents. Please search online for Tez Home Learning to find the collection and see how Tez can help you. You can also find this collection through the Tez Coronavirus Support Hub at tez.com forward slash coronavirus. My aim throughout this Teaching From Home podcast series is that you will hear from a wide variety of teachers and education experts sharing a wide variety of experiences. We've had technology-focused episodes looking at just how remote teaching works, but we've also had episodes focused on the practicalities of coping with setting students' appropriate work whilst also having to look after your own children at home. We've covered issues involving safeguarding, differentiation, and both teacher and student well-being. We've heard from maths teachers, teachers of other subjects, and primary school teachers. We've heard from teachers from the UK and overseas. Hopefully, there's been something for everyone. And I've no idea how long this series will continue to go on for, but so long as people keep listening and hopefully finding it useful, I shall continue. This time around, I spoke to Matt Hood. Matt is the principal of Oak National Academy, an online school set up over the Easter holidays sharing videos and resources for students from reception to year 10. Now, seven school days after its launch, over one million pupils have watched over two million lessons on the Oak National Academy website. So, obviously, I asked Matt how this project came about and, crucially, how teachers are using the resources. But we also discussed something that hasn't yet come up in this series, teacher CPD during school closures. Matt talks about research at home, as well as the wonderful idea of teachers using the Oak National Academy videos essentially as lesson observation tools to consider and critique. We even end with Matt's own life hack about how to be productive during lockdown. I really hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did and find it as useful as I did. And as ever, please stay safe. Okay, it gives me great pleasure to welcome Matt Hood to the podcast. So Matt, to start off with, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. Um, Well, it's great to be here. Um... So I suppose I've got a sort of uh, COVID-19 job and profile and then a pre maybe again post COVID-19 job (laughs) and profile. Um, So at the moment, I'm doing two things. Uh, I am currently principal at Oak National Academy, uh, which is uh, an online school uh, making lessons available to uh, anybody who needs them uh, for four to 15 year olds. And I'm also the convener at Research Ed Home. So beaming uh, smart people into your home for teacher PD uh, 11 o'clock every day. 
Uh, so that might that might be two sort of lockdown jobs at the moment. And <laughs> um, in, in in normal times, uh, in normal times, uh, my work is a combination of uh, working on the front line in schools. Uh, so I've been a teacher. I'm an economics teacher by training. I'm currently chair of governors at a school in uh, Morecambe, which is a glorious seaside town in the northwest of England that you should definitely visit once uh, you're allowed to. Um, a bit of policy wonkery. Um, so I'm an independent <laughs> advisor to the Department for Education on professional development and standards. Um, and then uh, my sort of joy and passion in teacher development. So helping uh, teachers uh, to keep getting better. Um, uh, most recently, I was a founder at uh, Ambition Institute, which is one of the uh, larger educator development providers in the UK. Flipping heck. I'm, I'm, I'm growing increasingly kind of annoyed and jealous of the CVs of some of the people who are coming on this this podcast these <laughs> days. That's that's very impressive, that, Matt. That's super no, nothing, nothing possible without fantastic frontline math teachers. So uh, <laughs> uh, 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 equally as impressive. <laughs> fantastic. Well, I'll tell you what, before we dive into um, Oak National Academy, um, I just want to talk a little bit, if it's OK with you, uh, about a research at home, because this is a, it's a very exciting initiative, this. And there's there's a danger that the focus um, during this lockdown comes on to the impact it's going to have on students and their learning and so on and so forth but of course the other side of this is is teacher cpd and i know myself from somebody who goes around giving talks and training that literally all my events for for the rest of the academic year have obviously been been, been cancelled so research ed and research ed home in particular has, has a key role to play in this can you just talk us uh, talk us through a little bit ab about it matt well like how does it work what are some of the kind of sessions uh, that, that have already happened and how can people check these out yeah, so it's super simple, uh, as is really important in the, the, the amount of things that are going on. So uh, almost every day, I'm going to say almost because there are a couple of exceptions, almost every day at 11 o'clock, if you go on to the Research Ed Home uh, Twitter handle, so at Research Ed Home, um, you can find a link pinned to the top there. Uh, in that link is a Google spreadsheet, which gives you a list of all of the speakers that are coming up for that week. You can click on a link to a Zoom webinar and follow along the presentation and ask questions at the end at 11 o'clock every day. Um, once, uh, if you miss that slot for whatever reason, all of the presentations are recorded. And again, in that Google document, you can go back, see previous speakers and click on a, a link which will let you watch again. So um, you won't be able to ask questions live, but you will be able to listen to the discussion and debate. Uh, and they're all available. Um, the back catalogue will remain available. Um, We've got an amazing array of people. We kicked off with Dan Willingham uh, yesterday with uh, Dylan William. Um, but everybody from uh, teachers in the front line to academics uh, through to other people working in the education sector, um, all of whom are talking about evidence-informed approaches to making sure every kid gets a great education. Uh, and a little plug, if this uh, gets out in time, uh, I'm on tomorrow uh, with Sam Twistleton, who is grilling me on all things educator expertise. Um, think a sort of, uh, you know, um, Emma Barnett style uh, news night grilling uh, on uh, on everything there. And Sam is obviously the perfect uh, education's answer to Emma Barnett to, to do that. 
Fantastic, fantastic. And I'll tell you what, Matt, and this may be a bit deep for, for early on in the in, in the conversation <laughs> here, but um, there's been a lot of talk, obviously, about whether this, this, this school's closure is going to change how learning happens long term and so on and so forth. Um, do you get any sense that it's going to um, have any long term impact on how CPD is, is delivered? Because I know that's one of the most common things people ask about research ed or like the local events and how come they're not filmed? Why can't we access them? And so on. Did you get a sense that there's going to be some that this is going to be the way CPD is going to be moving to, to more remote even one when, when schools reopen and everything's back to normal so um i'm uh, uh although although not politically uh at least educationally i sort of i'm relatively small key c conservative on some of these things and think we need to be careful about you know the whole world's going to change mm. um some things don't change uh, one of which is sort of aspects of our biology um our cognitive and behavioral science uh you know points us to some good bets and you know, being with other people uh, and that being a source of motivation is, I, I think, important. And so, you know, is the whole world going to get, excuse me, upended? No. Um, are there some things that I think we've been able to do quite quickly uh, that might become more widespread? Yeah, probably. Um, you know, Ambition Institute, we're delivering uh, about programs to about 6,000 educators uh, at any one time. So everything from teachers start their career right the way up to multi-academy trust CEOs. And for quite a few years, those programs have been blended. So uh, they've involved some time when people are coming together face to face and some time where things are done uh, remotely. Um, and, you know, different methods of instruction, just like in your classroom, uh, are well, are better suited to different types of content. And, um, you know, what we found over the past few years is things like, you know, one to one coaching or small group discussions, um, particularly when they're a short period of time, are actually probably just as good online as they are face to face. Um, but, you know, as we're all experiencing doing a full day's worth of content sat in front of your computer by yourself is really, really difficult. Mm. Um, and, you know, uh, there is something powerful about building a network uh, with other humans who are interested in the things that you're interested in because you've spent time with them face to face that, you know, I think some online approaches can't replicate. Um, so maybe move towards a more blended approach, but uh, totally out the window. No, the thing that I would say, and you know what we're, uh, one of the sort of potential uses of the lessons that we're developing at Oak, but also are available, you know, through uh, school trusts like Greenshaw or Outward. And we're, we're building a bank of exemplifications, which is quite interesting. Um, before, if you're a trainee teacher and you're teaching Pythagoras theorem for the first time, it's quite hard to watch an example of somebody doing it. But it's quite hard to find mm, an example of yes. that exposition and that modelling to teach that concept really well and really succinctly. Um, I think what we're going to have out of the back of this is a big, bigger, at least, bank of exemplifications that are domain specific, um, at, like down to the, you know, the individual sort of subtopic level um, and, you know, allow you to see that in a sequence. So if you go um, onto the Oak uh, website at the moment, you can watch a secondary math teacher teach uh, everything about expanding brackets in a sequence over three or four lessons. Um, and I think for trainee teachers, like seeing 
<laughs> I've got a, a old colleague, a very good friend called Vicky Richley, who's a, a one of the leads at Shottenhall Research School. Um, she calls them waggles. Uh, uh, what a good one looks like uh, nice. which i love a concept which i love and we're just going to have like hundreds of, you know we're producing 180 waggles a week yes uh and they're subject specific they're really relevant to the thing that a early career teacher is about to go into their classroom and teach that i think is you know has some real real legs and real power in it do you, do you know what? I mean, this is me being being completely daft. Then Matt. I'd not even considered that that that's a spin off kind of positive from from this from the Oak National Academy project that we'll talk about in a second. The impact it could have on teachers in terms of of watching those lessons. And and you're right. There's there's two sides to this. There's a more experienced teacher watching it and picking up on those kind of subtle things and, and possibly kind of critiquing the approach and thinking I'd do things slightly different. But then also, as you say, novice teachers, trainee teachers. Just what what an absolute gold mine of, of resources that that's going to be for them. Far better than, for example, downloading a, a bright, shiny, sparkly resource from a blog or from Tez or something. The, the, to actually see the questioning, the modeling and so on um, in action is, is, is absolutely priceless. Because what, what I was going to say just before we move on to Oak National Academy, this is a big fear, isn't it, Matt? Particularly um, teachers doing their training year now have had essentially their, if it's PGC, their second school placement kind of white out and we'll be we'll be starting jobs in september as nqts having had very little um classroom experience it's it's, it's a big issue isn't it yeah and you know we've got to remember that um initial teach training is only you know people say oh so you're a year well it's not really a year it's nine months and um the bit where you do the most teaching is in this third term yes uh you know because you do a little bit in your first term a bit more and then a bit more um and so yeah like schools and thinking about what they can do to support early career teachers when they start in september is really important um and, and it's partly why you know my my sort of the, the education policy i'm most excited about which i think is also going to help here is the um, work that the government's doing on the early career framework and the rollout of the training and support that comes with that. Because it says, look, hang on a minute, like this, this job of teaching is incredibly complex. Mm. You know, what we're asking teachers to do is to think about the thinking of 30 small humans simultaneously for 20 hours a week. You know, that's really, really difficult. Um, it takes a really long time to master. You certainly can't master it in nine months. And let's put in more support and development for the that PGC training year plus the two years afterwards. And if that's more, more robust, um, uh, then, you know, those trainees are going to be in a better position to make a success out of their um, their long term career in this amazing profession. Uh, what, what will that support look like, um, Matt? Or what, what in your, your eyes is, is is good support that schools can put into place for, for NQTs, particularly I'm thinking sep September 2020, if, if schools are open then? Yeah. So, so um, I mean, the first thing to take a look at is the framework itself. Um, it's a really evidence informed uh, pretty comprehensive view of uh, you know the sorts of things that you would need to know and be able to do in order to be a good teacher you know it, it sketches the outline of what you know at ambition institute we call the mental model that you need uh, to, to be a teacher and so taking a look at that and using it to inform um, the induction program that you've got in place uh, for your school I think is a really really good start um, 
the early rollout actually starts in September. Um, so there are a small number of areas uh, at the moment that have access to a training program designed by one of four organisations, uh, Ambition Institute, Teach First, Education Development Trust or the IOE. Um, if you've not taken advantage of, uh, of that support, you can definitely get in touch with them and uh, have a conversation with them about whether they might be able to do some of that training for you, which I know, you know, is, is going to be uh, really welcome, particularly with everything else that's going on. Um, and then it's about keeping your eye out for the for the full rollout the following year. Um, uh, the government's putting a lot of uh, time and energy and effort and resources into making this as accessible and flexible for schools as possible so they can find a, a training package that works for them. You know, some combination of you know, explicit guided instruction to build knowledge in the areas of the framework that are needed, uh, particularly those that relate specifically to the subject you're teaching, you know, plus a combination of um, mentoring alongside that to help you practice uh, and apply that knowledge flexibly in the context in which you're working. Uh, and a combination of those two things, I think, is is really promising and, and you know, will be very powerful. Fantastic. And, and final question, Matt, just before we move on to uh, talking specifically about, about Oak National. Um, if we've got teachers listening who are either trainee teachers or their NQTs or RQTs and so on, or even just any teacher at any point um, in their profession who's thinking, do you know what? I'm, I'm missing out on CPD here. I'm, I'm getting rusty. I'm nervous about September. I want to keep kind of up, upskilling myself and keep developing the way I have been when, when schools were open. Uh, what, what, what advice would you have? Is, is it as simple as uh, watch the Research Ed Home <laughs> videos and, and go to Oak National Academy website? Yeah. Is, is there anything, <laughs> anything else you, that you'd point them towards? Like, sh- sh- yeah, sh- so let's do shameless plugging. Right? Let's, <laughs> let's get straight in there with that. Like, genuinely, some of the people on, uh, on Research Ed Home who are talking about a whole range of topics i just think is brilliant and they will push and challenge your thinking uh and it's a it's a really good thing to engage with um yeah taking a look at the lessons and uh comparing them to what you do and thinking about how you would improve them uh i, I think is is also a, a really a really good thing to do and the, the last thing though here is um to say there are there are lots of things on at the moment you know lots of those teachers probably have family at home um and are trying to both do their job and look after the nation's children and look after their own children and their families and uh, as someone who's sort of been in and out of school at various points over my career i've had that feeling of nervousness and and rustiness and yeah it does take a little while to get back into it but there is some similarities with riding a bike and uh you know just to reassure everybody you haven't forgotten how to teach uh i i probably went through a sort of existential crisis for about the three months before i went back in worrying that i had entirely <laughs> forgotten how to do it and turns out you haven't and uh you know make make sure that over this period of time you look after yourself and your family uh uh, before worrying too much about not getting enough CPD. That said, you know, you can put this on, put your headphones on, have a bath, uh, listen to uh, Joe Facer talk about uh, how to improve curriculum quality. You know, why would you not want to do that? <laughs> Fantastic. Superb. Right. OK, so let, let's talk about Oak National Academy. Um, just, just, I'm, I'm interested just in the background of this to, to start, Matt. Um, so a few questions. What is it? Where did the idea come from? And, and can you give us a sense of some of the people involved? Yeah, sure. So, um we provide an online classroom uh, which has lessons available for four to 15 year olds broken down by subject and by year group. Um, 
it's about three hours a day for every primary school pupil. So lessons for reception through to year six. Uh, they cover English, maths and what we call foundation, which is a range of other subjects spanning the national curriculum. Uh, and then four hours a day for secondary school pupils, maths, English, science, again, plus a foundation uh, lesson which covers a range of topics uh, the, across the national curriculum and um, those lessons are available for free they work on uh, as many devices as we could possibly imagine we've uh, tried to make them work on everything from laptops desktops uh, tablets uh, phones they even work on smart tvs and i think on thursday last week we had a hundred pupils doing lessons via their place station uh, which is incredibly disciplined of them uh, uh, <laughs> that is a yeah, real testament to not allowing yourself to be distracted um, uh, they're free uh, the, the entire curriculum map is available for teachers to see in that classroom so you can see every lesson that's happening between now and half term and they're there for teachers to use however they would like to use them um, you can import them into your own Google Classroom if you have one. We're working on doing the same for Teams, uh, so the Microsoft equivalent. Um, uh, and uh, it is a generous offer created by a group of now about 60 teachers for their colleagues to help uh, provide free online curriculum resources during this lockdown period. Wow. Wow. And it, what amazes me about this is it, it was pretty quick. Like, for, <laughs> yeah. give, give, give me a sense from kind of the first the first WhatsApp yeah. message sent to so, going online. What are we talking here? I, I need to dig back through messages to find the exact date and the individual to blame. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I know who the, who the, the answer to the second question, but I won't reveal here. Um, so so our, our first team meeting was on Good Friday. Uh, it's probably the best uh, the best anchor for, for its birth. Could argue it was sort of born the day before because we had to organize the team meeting on the Friday, um, which meant we had about a week to figure out how to not only create 183, I think it is, lessons, but build a platform that was accessible, didn't fall over, uh, you know, worked smoothly and seamlessly. Um, we put the first group of lessons on board the first day of term. Uh, the second went on two days ago. Um, and so far, we've had about a million kids access not far now off uh, three million lessons. I think we're on about two point eight million today. Wow. Um, a, mi a million students. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Which is like, yeah, they, we just didn't think that we didn't think it would be anywhere near this. Uh, so, yeah, it's, 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 it's a surprise every day. Um, there's a whole range of people involved. Um, I think we currently have about 200 people in some way, shape or form working or volunteering on the project. Um, uh, there's a group of schools and school trusts who have for free generously provided uh, their teachers, their curriculum resources. Um, uh, all of those teachers, just to reassure everybody, still employed by their trust and are still being paid. They're just working on this project uh, to contribute and share with their peers. Um, we got backings from some ad agencies and some social media agencies and Google who provided a lot of uh, pro bono support to us. Um, and then uh, the rest of the team is like a uh, uh, Heinz 57 of uh, random knowledge and skills from <laughs> developers through to communications experts, through to project managers, through to uh, jack of all trades like me. Jeez. Now, now I'm, 
I'm interested, and again, the, the, you you always get this whenever some initiative comes out um, like this. There's, there's always kind of tricky questions asked and challenges and critiques. And and one of these was uh, the, over kind of the selection of, of, of the teachers who were going to be involved and so on. And potentially there's a bias towards the more kind of direct instruction, cognitive science, traditionalist approach to teaching. Um, was that something you were concerned about, Matt? And, and how did you choose the, the teachers who were involved? Or was it a case of they kind of put themselves forward? Can you just Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So one of the, you know, one of the shadows, as it, as it were, of, you know, us being able to reach so many pupils in such a short, short, short space of time is that it does throw up some questions about, you know, how things were done. And uh, they're all right and proper. Um, you know, I put out a thread uh, last week on Twitter related to this, like we're public servants, just like everybody else. And just because there's a crisis on doesn't mean you get a hall pass. And so like, we're really happy to answer all of these questions. Um, there isn't, however, as some people are suggesting, some sort of, you know, strange conspiracy theory going on underneath uh, the surface of all of this. Um, uh, uh, you know, back, back to your question that, you know, when was the first WhatsApp group? Um, uh, it was, yeah, the day before, a couple of days before the bank holiday weekend. And the people who are currently involved are largely the people who we knew who we could pick up the phone to and say, hey, we've got this mad idea. Um, you know, want to give up your Easter holiday and uh, work on it to help your colleagues. Um, we did do a bit of work to match uh, schools and school trusts and teachers with areas of the curriculum where we thought they had particular strengths. Uh, and, you know, we looked at uh, some of their school's performance in those areas to check that we had a, a good match. The curriculum is sort of largely divided up into a sort of phase subject combination. So a school or a school trust has taken on uh, all of the content for a particular subject within a particular phase. Um, one of the things that we wanted to make sure why that's important, we wanted to make sure that the curriculum, at least within a subject, was coherent, right? There was a really good mm. sequence mm. for that curriculum. Um, it does mean our curriculum as a whole is, um, uh, again, slightly more, the second use of this, slightly more Heinz 57. Um, you know, it hasn't been created by one school. It's been created by a group of schools. And we do have people in the group who take different viewpoints on, um, uh, you know, some of the purposes of education and therefore the kind of inferences and uh, decisions that you would make in your curriculum. Um, but it was it was largely a group of volunteers, uh, some matching where we thought that matching, uh, you know, made lots of sense. And, you know, what's really exciting is since then, uh, since we've launched, we've had a whole load of offers from other people who would love to get involved. We're talking to lots of those people at the moment. And, you know, we've got some work to do, I think, to expand the curriculum in a couple of areas where it's currently a little narrower than we would like. Um, and we're really excited to bring some new partners in to make to make that expansion happen. Fantastic. Well, we'll dig into some of those areas a little later. That That's great. And what's your role, Matt, as, as principal? How, how, what, how does, what does principal of an online uh, <laughs> yeah. school do? I'm also not entirely sure we've quite worked at things like job descriptions, uh, job descriptions through. Um, so, so, you know, a big part of this and obviously on, you know, podcasts relating to education that we'll talk about, um, you know, it's the, the lessons in the curriculum and what we're teaching and how we're teaching it. All of that is really, really important. Um, but there's a whole load of work that goes on behind the scenes uh, to figure out who we are, how we talk about ourselves, what language we use, what language we don't use, um, you know. People only find about out about this if we communicate really well and really thoughtfully. So we have a communications team. Um, 
uh, a kind of unsung uh, success here, um, and this is going to be interesting probably beyond um, the lockdown, is the platform that we've built to do this. This was led by a guy called John Roberts who's a, and his team who are incredible developers who built this from scratch in that same amount of time that we did the lessons. You know, if you speak to big ed tech companies, they spend a lot of time and resources on building the platforms that they use. Um, uh, but because we wanted this to be open source and available to everybody, we didn't think that any of the off-the-shelf options were going to work for us. And uh, so working closely with Google, we, we built this. <laughs> and then finally, just like any organization, you know, we have an operations team who need to worry about, you know, HR and finance and legal things. Uh, you know, teachers are using materials in their lessons that we have to get permissions from publishers for, for example. Um, so my job is like leading those four different teams um, and making sure that we're creating the right connections between them. Uh, so that the, you know the final package that lands with the teacher does all of the different things that it needs to do, and that we have an organisation that's robust enough to sort of stand the test of time, as it were. You know, uh, there was no good being a one-trick pony and getting 183 lessons out and then not managing to get week two out. So, uh, and then and then the other the, the other joyous part of mine is I introduce and uh, lead our assemblies, uh, first of which is coming on Thursday with the Archbishop of Canterbury. Wow. <laughs> Another slightly mad part of my week. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, I, I'm interested, uh, Matt, like throughout this podcast series, that what, what's really come through is is the challenges that both teachers are facing, students are facing, and also parents are facing throughout throughout these school closures. I wonder if you've got a sense um, in these early days about some of the some of the best ways that, that those three groups of people could make use of these resources. Teachers with, with their own students, students themselves, and, and parents who, who, who have young at home well how would you any advice or tips about how to get the most out of the oak national academy uh, videos and resources yeah so um so less i suppose advice from us or from me about how to do that but um what i can certainly do is share some um reflections from people who've told us how they're using it sure. uh because one of the things that's fascinating here is like you put these, these things out into the world and uh you know the general public is far more creative in figuring out how to use them than you could ever imagine uh when you're sort of sat in an office trying to cook it up yourself um so 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 for teachers i think we're probably seeing three things uh or three approaches um i've tried to name them so that they uh they're easily uh, rememberable um so the first is sort of pick a mix um so schools are looking at the curriculum ahead blending our content with their own pupils are then getting a timetable for the week which includes you know, some stuff directly from the school and then some stuff from us and sometimes potentially others as well. You know, there's a bit of bite size in there, there's a bit of us, there's a bit of Greenshaw, a bit of, uh, a bit of their own. And they sort of mix it together into a timetable uh, for pupils that works for them. Um, so that's the pick a mix. Um, we're seeing a second approach, which I'm calling stream and support. Um, so what these schools are doing is they are using our lessons as the sort of backbone of the curriculum, if you like. They're saying to the kids, you know, do the math lesson every day. But then they're following up with a combination of one to one or small group support to check for understanding and address misconceptions at like set points through the week. Um, so they have sort of shifted their teaching staff's time and resources into the bit that their those teachers are sort of more uniquely placed to do, which is the kind of last foot between the teacher and the pupil, right? Like, what is mm -hmm. this kid thinking? Have they got it? Have they not got it? How can I address a misconception? Um, 
uh, rather than them having to worry about doing the recording of lessons or doing the lessons live and then uploading. Yes. So they're sort of using us uh, uh, to do that bit that you know is replicable and then focusing all of their effort on the kind of small group uh or even some cases one-to-one uh addressing misconceptions um and then the third group is a sort of revise and consolidate group which is there these schools have already have their own curriculum which is fantastic they're using that but then they're saying okay and then there's a revision session that you can do for an hour on fractions here um you know uh your homework is to do that lesson um so th- those are the three things i think that that uh we're hearing from from teachers i'm sure there are loads more um we'd love to hear about them um for for families um the the, the message that i think is really important again as i said with teachers earlier because teachers are families too um is like whatever you're trying to do at home like you have to just work it out in a way that's right for you. Like nobody's going to be able to tell you like this is the this is exactly what you should do each day because there's so many dependents uh, things in your context that, that that mean that that will change. Um, the things that I think we do know in schools that can be helpful at home are you know we know in schools for example that whole school behaviour policies are more effective than classroom by classroom ones. Um, I think you can stretch that evidence if the EEF will uh, will allow me um, to say like whole household uh, routines are probably better than either kid by kid or day by day routines. And so thinking about like uh, the structure of the week, drawing it out, sticking it on the fridge, like uh, and by structure, I mean, yeah, there's some time in there for lessons, but there's also time in there for some maybe some reading for maybe cooking for getting some exercise, doing those other things, I think. Like for parents, like creating a structure and then doing everything you possibly can. I know it's really hard to stick to that structure and, you know, try to motivate pupils using sometimes some extrinsic things, rewards and sanctions uh, to make sure that they stick to the structure. Like the more that, you know, Monday to Friday feels like it's got a rhythm to it. I think the easier uh, life at home, particularly for some families who are in, you know, situation where they maybe don't have a garden that they can just put the kids outside or like today when it is i saw a tweet this morning about basically the biggest challenge for parents today is that it's their first experience of wet play Uh, so uh solidarity with parents across the country who are dealing with wet play every teacher knows your pain um (laughs) so uh i I think for for um for families it's about try to create a structure that works for you and don't let anybody tell you what your structure should be like. That's for you to decide, but just try to have one. Uh, I think that's probably the top tip to help um, to help that uh, be a little bit more smooth at home. That's that's super good advice. I, I like that. Yeah, we're, we we've got a little, well, he's fifteen months now, and. Um, a 50-month-year-old uh, at home, Isaac, and yeah, I've, we check the weather forecast every day, and we've been dreading this. Dreading <laughs> yeah, yeah, this yeah. And that, that cloud appeared on the app a few days ago. We thought, oh, oh it's going to yeah. be a tough one today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like wellies on, <laughs> like many coats and things on, and then just like just brave it. Just it's perfect. 
It's exactly. Wait, yeah. exactly. windy and a full moon. Like that's the next big challenge. <laughs> uh, Everyone knows windy days with full moons is like the witching hour. So uh, brace yourself for that, parents of the UK. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, we, we spoke before about uh, whenever a new initiative, any kind of new initiative, um, certainly something as big and as public as this comes out, there's always going to be criticism and difficult questions asked. Um, what I really um, enjoyed and appreciated was was David Thomas's blog that came out. I think either the day or the day after the, the um, Oak National Academy went live and in that blog he made four points and I just w- wondered if we could just go through each of those Matt and just kind of get your take on them because I thought they were they were really interesting and and a sign of a good organization willing to can kind of confront the things that don't work or aren't perfect so the first one the first point David made was that our mainstream curriculum isn't broad enough can you just talk to me a little bit about that Matt and maybe some of the things that you, you're putting in place to address that yeah so um you know david's absolutely right here he you know he's he's brilliant and is the driving force behind you know all of that work that teachers are able to use uh, day in day out um uh, you know we, we think of ourselves like a school right and um we all believe in a really good quality rigorous broad and balanced curriculum and if we were a school um the curriculum that we currently have on offer like would not be acceptable uh we wouldn't we wouldn't accept that there are some subjects that are really important that are currently missing at different key stages um we we did our best to make it as broad as possible uh, under the circumstances but we want to do we want to do better and uh you know we've got a plan in place now to to start to fill some of those gaps over the next uh couple of weeks um you know we know that it's frustrating for teachers of subjects that are not uh uh, maths, for example, uh, Mr. Barton. Uh, I'm an economist by uh, by training, right? Um, uh, people just call us applied maths, uh, which is uh, uh, unfair. Um, I, you know, so, so I'm from one of those subjects that you know doesn't get the high profile that gets lessons taken off in the curriculum. And you know, I appreciate for all those people out there who teach those subjects, it's frustrating when they see that their subject isn't included. Um, I, again, there was no conspiracy theory behind that. We just we just couldn't offer all of the things uh, all in one go. And we tried to prioritize with where we had the resources immediately available. Um, uh, there are a few things that we try to consider when we're adding in these new subjects. So one is this, sort of, again, with all curriculum, is this breadth versus depth point. Um, we did quite a lot of work to think about how many hours a day we thought primary school pupils and secondary school pupils could reasonably cover. And that amount of time is less than they would cover in a normal school week when they were in school. Um, we want to be really careful about saying, you know, the expectation is five or six hours a day for secondary, excuse me, secondary school pupils. Um, like that, 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 there's just all of the evidence that we have from the schools and, and school trusts that we're working with says that that's too much. So, um, every time we add a subject at the moment, that means there is a lesson taken from another subject and we've just got to get that balance right um the second thing and this applies you know sometimes some more uh, some of the more sort of practical or creative subjects we want to think really hard to make sure all of our lessons are really inclusive mm. like we can't assume that you've got you know materials or instruments or other things at home 
And what's been great about those subjects is they've all come back with really creative ways of getting around that. Um, you know, we've managed it with art. Uh, all of our lessons, you know, basically required to have a pencil and a piece of paper. Um, uh, last week, you know, we sent children off outside on their daily walk to pick up bits of leaves and stones and make self-portraits, which was amazing. Um, but we, we just have to think carefully as well about making sure that everything is accessible to everybody. It's really, really easy to fall into the trap of assuming that everybody can participate in that lesson uh and and it would be awful if a pupil is sat at home not able to participate because they don't have some of the resources available so we've got to think really hard about that but uh yeah we're hoping to particularly expand what we're doing in year 10 uh to more gcse options uh there's a couple of subjects missing at key stage three and key stage two and key stage one and uh, yeah like i say we're trying to expand that offer have you, have you come across anything that you just think isn't going to work at all, Matt? Like, I, I'm thinking, like, de- design and tech or, or, or whatever it's called. Like, how on earth are you going to pull up something well, like that? Well, we, we, have, we have pitched that challenge straight back at the design tech teachers, who I'm sure are going to come back with something that works. Uh, it's a classic problem of, like, lack of domain-specific knowledge. Yeah, I have yes. no idea. In my head, you know you need a saw. And, a, a <laughs> yeah, exactly. and they're going to come back and tell me that I'm absolutely daft. That's not what design tech's about. And you can definitely do some really good quality design tech work without needing those uh, resources. Um, you are going to be in so much trouble with the design technology online know, lobby who are very well organized. I didn't even know how well organized they were <laughs> until we launched this thing. So uh, credit to them for advocating for their subject. Uh, you know, and their point about you know, my school's doing this, like where the kids that we do have having school every day um you know spending their time making personal protective equipment which is currently being shipped to my mum who runs a care home um uh so you know uh, i can understand why they're feeling a little left out it was not uh, out of any uh, disrespect for that subject and uh you know we're we're keen to to work to expand our offering fantastic fantastic and the second of david's points is that our specialist curriculum isn't up and running yet so tell us a bit about that matt yeah so there are are two things here um the first is that um we don't have good enough access to the existing curriculum for those with additional needs um so for example we're on track at the moment to have our lessons either signed or subtitled uh, to support all pupils who've got hearing impairments um our brand, uh, annoyingly, has this lime green colour in it, which doesn't pass um, the necessary tests to be inclusive of pupils who have visual impairments. Uh, so we've got to change some features of our brand to make the colours work uh, and get those right. Um, so, so there's some things about access and inclusion into the mainstream curriculum that's available. Um, there is also a need for us. And again, uh, we're working on getting resources uh, available for teachers whose pupils uh, are from specialist settings. So that's a broad range of different types of uh, specialist settings. So special schools, pupil referral units, alternative provision, um, the variety of different types of special schools. Um, and uh, we have a crack team of incredible um, uh, SEND inclusion specialists uh professionals who are working with us to improve the work that we do in that space um but you know again we're all teachers um we care a lot about making sure that every pupil is included um and we don't do anything to exacerbate existing gaps that exist um and that means we needed to do more work in this space and it's top of our list 
Got it. Fantastic. Um, th- this third one fascinates me, this, Matt. So um, this is, oh God, what's this? Maybe the 10th one of these teaching from home um, in episodes that I've done now. And one thing that's really come through from, from most of the guests is that this notion of well-being is is really kind of top of their list, even above kind of teaching their subject and, and getting the students more knowledgeable and, and so on. And teachers have spoke about how they're missing the daily interactions with students and they're trying to find novel ways to get around this, either using the chat function on Teams or Zoom and so on and so forth. Um, so the third of, of David's points is that we don't have anything on well-being. Um, just, just tell us a bit about that, Matt. And is, is that a challenge that, that is right for you to take on? And, and if so, how can you do it? Um, so, so, yeah, we, we are firmly of the belief, you know, as I said right at the start in relation to teacher training, that, you know, we can't replicate the school mm. um there is just so much more richness to a school environment than we're able to provide by you know putting some resources online as wonderful and as, and as helpful as that is and um uh you know so we're we're not able to directly replicate some of those things that um you, you would get in a normal school day um we uh, are trying though to do a couple of things uh so this is all in the space of best endeavors um so as i mentioned earlier we're putting an assembly on each week which has a uh speaker who is going to talk about um some of the things that are you know are going on at the moment and how to deal with those um uh, as i said the archbishop of canterbury is kindly off to do the first one of those and that's coming this week um so trying to create a bit of a moment where the nation's pupils are coming together and watching an assembly uh together you know with their parents uh, uh i think is a small contribution um the other thing that we're looking at is whether we can bring together uh probably a pilot in the first instance but a small group of um organizations that already provide kind of extracurricular resources um so have an offer outside of the core curriculum that that is about you know keeping people active and busy and doing interesting things uh be that cooking or um you know some activities that you might be able to do in or outdoors that are are creative um uh or thinking about uh democracy uh you know some of the sort of british values related uh things that schools do um and, and, and whether we can offer those alongside our curriculum to sort of pack out some of those other bits that I spoke about earlier in the structure of the day that are not your your core content. So we're going to try and make a contribution. Um, we can't replicate it. And, you know, schools and teachers are far better placed and far closer to and know their pupils far better than we're ever going to be able to. Got it. Fantastic. And and the final one of David's points, um, I, I thought was interesting as well. Um, he says simply, this isn't going to change the world. Um, what does David mean by that? And what's your take on that? Um, I, I think it really speaks to this point about like we can't replicate a school. Uh, we we I suppose are would normally have considered ourselves towards the more skeptical end of the ed tech spectrum, <laughs> and then have found ourselves in the position where we're, where we're doing some kind of ed tech, which is there, there is a there is an irony there. Um, uh, but I, I think you know it's making two, two things really. One, making this point that we can't replicate schools, and, and the second one is like you know. What we really keen to do and what the whole blog was about, sort of trying to manage expectations here. This is a group of volunteers and there's nobody on our leadership team who is doing this full time. Everybody has another job or something else they need to do and are trying to 
you know, run this organization and, and, you know, keep it providing the resources. You know, we are largely powered by volunteers. Um, there's lots we want to do, uh, lots we haven't been able to do. And, uh, you know, what we're not saying here is that this is going to come in and, you know, like David said, change the world. What it's going to do is make a contribution um, to those who uh, want it and need it and, uh, you know, try to remain as uh, open and humble to feedback as possible whilst sort of pleading for generosity whilst we, uh, whilst we, whilst we make the improvements that we know need to be made. Superb. And, and is there anything else you'd add as a challenge? If, if you were writing David's blog again, would you add a 0.5 or a 0.6? Are there any other challenges that you, you've come across in these, this first kind of week and a bit of, of Oak National going live? And um, so, so the, uh, I like getting into the really sort of nitty gritty dull stuff when it comes to challenges, right? Like I could say, Oh yeah, you know, it was about, figuring out the you know the high level curriculum sequence or those things are important and you know they're not straightforward but um the thing that's really hard in this that i just hadn't anticipated yeah i thought it was gonna be tough but i I just hadn't anticipated is um running the lesson production process makes it sound uh, really dull and it definitely is right so just all of the things that need to happen in order every week to get from teacher has decided that this week is about the Shang dynasty um, through to like pupil has a great experience of learning about the Shang dynasty. Um, yes. you know, the, the, the hardest thing inside the organization at the moment is organizing ourselves into a, you know, into a production line that makes sure that all of those different bits of the process are done in all of the right orders to deliver them at the right time so that lessons go online. You know, and the first week we finished that process at 4.30 a.m. on Monday morning before the site went live at 6 a.m. Wow. Um, this week, uh, you know, again, this is volunteers working through the Sunday night, uh, not the dream. This week we beat that time by 11 hours. So we got 11 hours quicker. We were about half four, five o'clock on Sunday evening. Um, we're trying to bring it forward again. Close to play Friday is the is the is the target. But there are just so many things to consider, you know, so many things that can go wrong in that process. And I think it's um, it's really brought home to me how how incredible some of the schools who have managed to do this by themselves are, and how hard they have worked on this. Because yeah, like I say, we have got a we've got a really good team who are working really, really hard on this and it's really difficult. And um, the idea and expectation that every school in the country, all 23,000 of them, including some from, you know, around our neck of the woods that are like tiny rural primary schools, like two teachers and 40 kids. Like the idea you can build this thing uh, in two weeks or do that over their Easter holidays. Like, you know, just hats off to all that have and like honestly please don't please please don't try uh if you don't have to uh use things that are already out there because it is really hard um and uh you know i wouldn't we're we're getting better at it we've got a professional development process in place so that we improve each week but it is difficult uh and, and just shining a light on the detail of that process i think sort of will um will give people a real insight into into how hard that nuts and bolts process is absolutely 
absolutely um i know it's early days matt so we're recording this on a on a tuesday and, and i think um if i'm right we uh, oak national academy went live the, the previous monday so we're only kind of um day what day seven of, uh, of kind of being open open for business uh, but what, i wonder what you've learned from the either the response or the usage of, of teachers to the resources um yeah so so yeah seven days uh of lessons we're now yeah we're now on day seven you know as I mentioned earlier so we've got about a million pupils doing about 2.8 million lessons at the moment um it's still really early days so most of the feedback so far has been about sort of snags and bugs and things that we can fix there's a particular feature on a google form that allows you to click it on and off of whether it's shareable um oh, if we could centrally control that button that would be a dream <laughs> for me right now like that's like more than anything else, I want a central control over the share Google form button. Um, uh, so with that all in mind, I'm quite cautious about sort of inferring too much at this stage. I think a lot of schools, you know, looked at it last week and then maybe sent it out to their pupils this week. Uh, so th things might start to shift and change. Um, a few interesting things. So we do know, for example, that about 50 percent of pupils are accessing it on a laptop or a desktop. Um, 40 percent are doing it on a mobile device and about 10 percent on a tablet. Um, that's really interesting. Um, it gives us a sense of how pupils are you know, accessing these resources at home. Um, I don't know if we knew that before. Uh, maybe somebody did. Uh, but, you know, of 2.8 million lessons. 40% of them were through a mobile phone um, is quite uh, significant, I think. Um, uh, we know that we're mainly uh, in England. Um, the vast, vast majority of our lessons are taking place in England, but we've got pretty good coverage across the other nations as well. Um, and indeed, 790 other cities and regions all over the world. Um, after England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, uh, the next five biggest uh, cities or regions are all in China. <laughs> uh, so that's interesting. Um, uh, but we, you know, as I mentioned, we've got a PD process, which is being led by a chap called Josh Goodrich uh, from Oasis and uh, Steve Farnden from Ambition Institute. Um, uh, you know, if there are things that we can do better that aren't sort of snags and bugs, but are about the curriculum and the pedagogy, we'd love to hear them because um, we're, we're making sure that our teachers get some PD every week so that we can keep improving what it is that we're doing and uh, thoughts and feedback and ideas for that might look like a, a very, very welcome. Um, and again, bearing in mind that it, that it is early days, I wonder what, what changes have you made um, already um, and what changes are in the pipeline? Can you give us a bit of a sneak preview of anything that's, that's coming up, aside from the kind of extra subjects that you mentioned uh, earlier? Yeah. Um, so, um, uh, so what changes have we already made? So they've largely been about, again, access. So, uh, again, another insight into this uh, bizarre world of education technology. You, you sort of write the code to build the website um or the platform as it probably more accurately is um but then you have to test it and fix problems for every device and every operating system combination so it's like it works fine on everything apart from an iphone 6 with ios 4 point whatever um and you need to write some code that makes sure that it works on that device so lots of our work has just been about like this device combination you know you get to like 98 percent of devices it takes about two hours to do a improvement for one device and it's like there's six people who can't get on a android whatever 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 yes. uh two hours to, to fix it for them um 
So, so most of the improvements have been about, about that. There's been a couple that have come online, as I mentioned earlier. You can now share directly into your own Google Classroom. So if your school has Google Classroom, you can just go onto a lesson. The top right corner, there's a whole load of share buttons. Click the share Google Classroom one. It will ping it into your own Google Classroom, and then your pupils can access it through that. Uh, we're hoping to do the same with Teams. Um, we're then looking at a whole range of different things that teachers are asking for. Uh, making things downloadable uh, is one of them. Uh, we're not able to do that at the moment, and we'd love to be able to, um, uh, uh, you know, d doing some things with the user experience uh, so that the lessons roll through more smoothly uh, than they've previously been doing. I've mentioned getting signing and subtitles. Um, I've mentioned the wider curricular stuff that we're hoping to do. It's quite a long list. Uh, we just... <laughs> We just have to be careful and prioritise. But yeah, they're, 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 I think, the main things that are, that are coming down the, the track at the moment. Fantastic. And again, I, with the usual disclaimer that, it, that it's early days, and will, will Oak National always be around? Will it be around once once schools go back? Will these, these resources be available? Because we've already spoke about the, the power of them, both for, for students and also teachers in terms of improving their own practice. Is this something for the long term, Matt, or will it, will it kind of close its doors once schools go back? Yeah, we, we've just not had time to lift our head up long enough mm. to, to think too much about that beyond sort of snatched conversations here about about future use. Um, uh, we definitely need to have those conversations uh, and figure out what works. But our commitment at the moment is to keep going until all pupils are back at school. Um, and, you know, by the looks of things, uh, uh, I'm sure you're keeping an eye on this as, as much as everybody else is, you know, it seems likely to me that there'll be some sort of staggered return in some way, shape or form, um, uh, particularly if you're trying to social distance. I just don't know how that's possible. And so um, a world in which pupils, even if it's some of them, not all of them are still at home, is a world in which these resources are still useful and, uh, and uh, we'll keep producing them for as long, for as, long as that's the, the case. Fantastic. And um, final two questions for you, Matt, just some reflections. Um, do you think distance teaching or remote learning will lead to any improvements in actual classroom teaching? Um, so, so we mentioned one of them already, which is the sort of exemplification mm -hmm. waggles, Victoria Richley's waggles. Um, uh, I think that's that's the first thing that I suppose we've thought of. Um, the second thing I think that is interesting here is um, you know, for, for a great lesson to happen under normal circumstances, a pupil and a uh, teacher have to be in a room uh, at the same time with a really well-planned, really well-executed lesson. Um, there are a whole range of reasons why that perfect match doesn't happen. Teacher isn't there. They're unwell. They're on training for a day. They've got some responsibilities. Uh, pupil isn't there. They're unwell. Uh, there's been a behaviour incident, which means that they're not in the classroom where they're supposed to be. Um, and in a situation where you don't get that match, you know, the setting of work uh, by the teacher for the pupil like, isn't a straightforward process. right? We've all been really unwell, woken up in the morning and needed to set cover work for our classes for the day. Yes. Um, we have all uh, had a kid who is, for whatever reason, not in school and needed to create work to send home or send to the, you know, learning centre, inclusion room, whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, you know, I, I think there is scope for, you know, the bank of what we've created, again, not just us, but Outwood and Greenwood and others, uh, Greenshaw, sorry, and others. Um, I think there's scope for this sort of resource helping 
in that situation where you don't get a good teacher and pupil match um, mm. um if you're away and you've got set cover work in the morning and you're doing a lesson on expanding brackets um there's a lesson on expanding brackets which is freely available for you and you just need to make sure that the pupils are supervised to do the lesson uh, i you know I mean, if you get a subject match for your supply teachers, I mean, you're doing something better than we're doing. Uh, but, you know, so you've got a non-subject specialist in a classroom who can make the most of that hour with those 30 pupils in a way that, you know, if we're all being really honest with ourselves, like, yeah, it's really difficult at the moment. Wow, that is that is massive. That is absolutely massive, Matt. Yeah, I love that. Fantastic. Um, Final question for you. Um, what have you personally learned from the experience of, of lockdown or school closures? Um, <laughs> so what have I learned? Two, so two things. Um, the first, I think, is this is a great reminder of how resilient and nimble schools are compared with lots of other bits of the public sector. You know, as I said earlier, part of my job is uh, with central government on policy. And, um, you know, I'm not surprised by this. I've sort of known this all along, but it's been a really, really great reminder. Uh, you know, schools are able to respond to and roll with things uh, at an extraordinary pace, which has just been a privilege to watch and see. Uh, you know, schools who, you know, set up free school meal voucher systems way before the government was in a position to be able to do it. And they're actually really annoyed now they've got to use the government system, not the, old, the one that they've created, you know, who have got their resources online, who have found ways of keeping in touch with all their vulnerable peoples. Like there is just an incredible resilience and nimbleness to our school system that I think has really come to the fore and should be celebrated. Um, so that's my, that's my school focused one. Mm. Um, my me focused one, um, uh, so I'm a bit of a nerd on this stuff. And Peps McRae, who's been on your podcast before, he and I like nerd out on this quite a lot. Um, so we we love uh, hacking our routine. So we love thinking really carefully about like how we structure our day and like playing around with different bits of the day to see if you can, you know, be a bit more productive here and there, like be a bit happier here and there, get a bit more free time. What happens if you get up at this time and mix it with this combination of activities in the morning, uh, this combination of activities in the afternoon? Like, how, how do you do that? It's really sad. We talk about it way too much. Um, <laughs> But one of the amazing things about lockdown is you basically get a controlled environment. <laughs> so there, are, there are far fewer variables to like knock you off your routine and rhythm. Um, so you get like a good clear week of testing out different variables of getting up times, eating times, what you're going to eat, all of those sorts of things. So um, I have like made some and I'm excited to talk to Peps about him next time I see him. I've made some like really good uh, improvements to my hacking my daily routine um and uh i'm 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 thrilled with them and it's the saddest thing you've probably ever heard well it isn't at, it isn't at all well, not, not not for me anyway you've got to give us an example what was one hack you've made that seems um, to be paying off so uh one of the things i think is really important is doing the exact same thing for the first hour of every morning like if you are trying to have a routine through the week, I find if I change at all what I do for the first hour in the day, I almost certainly have a negative knock on effect of all of the other things that I need to do in a day. 
Uh, wow. uh, that's been a bit of a theory knocking around. This just me, no, no, no other data point. Uh, <laughs> so, so, uh, so I've been testing that out uh, and seeing if I can, uh, you know, what happens if I on a Thursday do something different to a Wednesday. And I'm like wholly convinced now. So it, like, if my day is going to be successful, I have to get up exactly the same time and do exactly the same thing for the first hour. And if I do that, the day is going to go well. If I don't do that, I didn't do it yesterday morning, uh, not through any randomized planning, just through a slight inability to get out of bed quite at the time when I'd hoped to. And my day yesterday was not as good. Uh, I'm on I'm on form today because the, the routine was back in place. So, yeah, yeah, do the exact same thing every for the first hour every morning, if you at all possibly can. I appreciate I don't have small humans at home that make that more challenging. <laughs> so uh, there, there, there's a little bonus for me there. Wow, fantastic! Um, well, as yeah, I, I I would love to put that into 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 yeah, test <laughs> yeah. that out myself to give People another. It's probably not going to comply <laughs> with your morning routine in quite the way that I I'm able to. I, I say that with all all acceptance and humility. <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. Well, Matt, this has been an absolutely incredible uh, incredible conversation. Certainly from my perspective, anyway, because as I say, the bit I the bit I'd missed when I was thinking about Oak National Academy was the uh, the teacher side of things. The fact that the there are some exemplar lessons and again you're not saying these lessons are perfect no one's saying they're perfect. No, one, no one's Absolutely. saying these are the ways you have to teach but it's it's so we all know as teachers watching lessons is one of the most useful things that you can do to improve your practice and as teachers we get very limited time to do that to watch actual lessons and here is a an unprecedented kind of opportunity um when possibly teachers have got some time to, to, to focus on this, to, to watch hundreds of lessons, um, sequence, thought through, and then come to their own conclusions about them. So that is, uh, yeah, on top of the benefits to students, that is, uh, that is a massive, massive bonus. So um, thank you to you and all you've done um, setting this up and all, and all your team. Um, it's, it's absolutely fantastic resource. And thank you so much for your time today. Uh, Principal of Oak National Academy, Matthew Hunt. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks. so much. Thanks Matt. for having me, Greg.